But first, we turn to Albany, where climate activists hoped that Democratic supermajorities in the state Senate and state assembly could deliver historic legislation that would greatly expand the state of New York's role in producing renewable energy and in, in the process create tens of thousands of union jobs and lower r- rates for lower power rates for consumers. The Build Public Renewables Act did pass the Senate at the end of May, but then died in this assembly without receiving a vote before the legislature adjourned for the year. Joining us now to talk about the battle for public power in New York are State Senator Jabari Brisport of Brooklyn and Iyapa Saritupak, a climate activist who is running for state assembly in lower Manhattan. They are both democratic socialists and supporters of public power. Senator Jabari Brisport and Iyapa Saritupak, welcome to WBAI radio. Thanks to, for having us on, John. Sure. And, and so, uh, Jabari, let's start with you. Uh, uh, can you summarize uh, what uh, the Build Renewable uh, uh, Power Act, uh, the Build Public Renewables Act, uh, what was at stake there and who was supporting it and, and the, the level of support that there was for it? Yeah, shows. Sure. Uh, so Bill Public Renewables Act or BPRA would have been uh, an incredible win for the, the climate movement and the left at, at large. You know, it basically allows us to build out um, publicly owned renewable energy generation and distribution uh, to meet the needs that the, the private sector is failing and would help us make, meet our, our targets for, for the CLCPA. Um, I guess one way to say it is that it, it died in the assembly, but another way to phrase it is that Speaker Heasey blocked it from coming to a vote, which is more accurate in my opinion. Right. And and, and can you just sort of guide us through this uh, process as it unfolded, uh, uh, how it uh, got out of the Senate? Uh, how did that happen? Because it, it didn't seem to be going anywhere too fast, and then all of a sudden – uh, it kind of caught fire and, and was passed by the Senate. And I know it, there was some amending of that legislation that was done to assuage the concerns of uh, late, some labor unions in, in New York. But first, tell us, I guess, the good part, how you got this through the Senate. Sure. Um, you know, the bill has been around for a few years now. The The Senate sponsor, Senator Parker, was not agitating around it or, or really pushing it very hard. We had the the benefit of Deputy Majority Leader uh, Senator Janaris really take up the mantle of advocating for the bill in the state legislature. He actually ended up defending it on the floor when Republicans wanted to debate it because Senator Parker was nowhere to be found. And it was really through um, Senator Janaris was, was one um, huge push, but also um, amendments that made the bill even better for labor, such as including um, project labor agreements for for these uh, these new construction processes, which was able were able to appease some some unions. Right, and and uh, Senator Parker, I mean, he's facing a primary challenge himself from another climate advocate. You think yes, that's- from uh, the candidate David Alexis. Right. So, so you got it through the state senate where you have a supermajority, and then you have a, a supermajority in the assembly well, as well, a democratic supermajority. So, talk about uh, uh, Speaker Heasty's role in uh, in nixing this, and and what you were doing to, and others were doing to try to, uh, you know, build support in the assembly. Sure. 
So the speaker's um, role, like the leader, like any legislative leader, means that he has the ability to bring a bill to a vote or block a bill for, from coming to a vote. So BPRA was the most co-sponsored uh, piece of climate legislation in the state legislature this year. Uh, the speaker claimed that there weren't enough votes to bring it to a vote and that you know, his fear basically that if you brought it to a vote, it would, it would fail. Um, and in order to assuage those concerns, uh, many legislators like myself, like Assemblymember Mamdani, uh, Assemblymember Kellis, I believe, um, in those last days, reached out to numerous assembly members, asking them to confirm with the speaker that they would vote yes if it were brought to a vote. And this was not just an inside thing on the outside. Um, many um, activists and um, advocates were also reaching out to assembly members to um, confirm with the speaker that they were ready to vote yes, um, whether they were a co-sponsor or not. And, um, you know, but by our count, there were, I believe, 83 people willing to vote yes on it, um, which is more than enough to um, to pass the bill. And yet uh, Speaker Hasty blocked it and refused to bring it to a vote. And what reasons would Hasty have for opposing the legislation? You would have to ask Speaker Hasty for his uh, his his opposition to the legislation. Um, the, the the one that came to me the most was that he thought there weren't the votes there and the fact is the votes were there but if there were other reasons uh i I think you know ask him (laughs) well um okay we we don't have him on the show today Uh, (laughs) so how much i mean how much uh influence does uh, does uh you know special interest uh money and support have here i mean what we were seeing a lot in the press was uh you know different power produce private power producers, in, including the solar energy industry, uh, were opposed uh, uh, to the um, Public Power Act. Um, was that the sense you were getting as you lobbied uh, your um, fellow legislators? Yeah, I had some legislators say they wanted to learn more about what the opposition was and didn't have time to find out more about what people's concerns were about the bill before um, the end of session. Uh it is a fact that, you know, some of these private companies do do, do donate to, to candidates. Um, and I think, you know, we need to be vigilant in ensuring that we're doing the best thing for, for New York and, and the climate at large. Um, but, you know, everyone's donations are publicly available. Certainly. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, speaking of those donations, I mean, the, just in terms of the mechanics of how power works, uh, I mean, Heasty controls uh, in, in each legislature, uh, the, the speaker or the majority leader, you know, control, um, uh, campaign funds in Heasty controls the Democratic Assembly campaign, uh, fund and, and he's, he's able to allocate money, uh, to incumbents who are up for reelection. Um, can you talk a little bit about this process, how essentially, the somebody like the speaker can uh, accumulate this large essentially uh, legal but uh, campaign slush fund that he can then divvy out money to you know loyal allies to uh, back them up when if they they're facing uh, tough primary challenges uh, like we are is, which has become more common in recent years uh, in part due to your organization the Democratic Socialists of America I mean this, how this sort of like money wheel uh, you know tries to propel the the status quo Sure. You know, I can't speak in depth about um, 
the DACC in the macro, but if I can give a specific example, um, in the race for Assemblymember Mamdani versus Assembly, or well, when he was challenging Assemblymember uh, Simotas, uh, uh, I believe the DACC donated over one hundred thousand dollars to her campaign in the um, in the final week or two in order to to help her, which is just a, a sizable amount of money. And ju- and just for reference, the uh, the cap that an everyday citizen can donate to a Assembly candidate is forty seven hundred dollars. Right. That's uh, that's really something. Um, uh, Amba, I think you had a question. I was just going to ask you, Jabari, um, to explain a bit in more detail what this would do um, for everyday New Yorkers and how it would change power and bolster the public power system. Yeah, well, I think the main thing would be decreased rates. I mean, you would be paying for the electricity and not the electricity plus the uh, the profits to go to a corporate board, um, which I think is relevant to a lot of New Yorkers who are seeing their electricity um, bills spike, um, whether that's for Con Ed, you know, for whatever their electricity provider is outside of outside of New York City. So this would be a way, one, to guarantee that we stay on track to meet our climate goals of reaching um, our targets for renewable energy and also reducing rates and prices for everyday payers, everyday New Yorkers, by removing the profit motive for, for energy. Right. And, and um, uh, we're going to go to Yapi Siri Tupac in just a minute. But one more question is sort of about the inner workings of the legislature. Uh, how much of the hesitation around the Build uh, Public Renewables Act do you think was due uh, not just to special interest influence, but, uh, you know, these more conventional uh, Democrats that are the majority in these caucuses uh, just being uh, hesitant ideologically to sort of go uh, um, beyond sort of the normal framework of providing incentives to pi- private industry to do the right thing and, and taking this leap into expanding the, the public sphere and and, uh, and sort of taking profit out of the equation as a way to um advance uh public interest goals do you sense that like kind of yeah. unwillingness to let go of the neoliberal uh, paradigm of progress through private profit I, I do sense that and and to be honest some of the pushback i heard from uh, a senator who was in opposition to the bill public renewables act would be that the uh, it dis- disincentivizes private companies from investing or coming to new york um for uh, renewable energy which one it doesn't because it is um, it is a bolster to what the private market is doing and two even if it did um, that's okay because the private market is failing at meeting the renewable energy goals um, and we we do need the public sector to to step in and and meet those yeah I, um, I saw a com- just mm-hmm, sorry yeah uh, yeah, I, if I can just say um, okay, go on. Um, one more thing, too, just yeah. I, I just forgot to mention, um, because of the incredible pressure from, you know, from the outside and from legislators uh, regarding Speaker Heasty's blockage of the Bill Public Renewables Act, he will be hosting a hearing on it at the end of July. Um, and I believe the demand is not only to, you know, have people attend or watch that hearing and elevate it, but also for the calling of a special session uh, to pass Bill Public Renewables Act um, this summer or fall, um, but before um, next year's legislative session. Right. We're, we're definitely going to keep an eye on that. Uh, well, so this uh, uh, act was uh, stalled in the legislature. There's uh, currently six Democratic socialists uh, in the combined in the state senate and state assembly and and now dsa is running another slate of candidates this cycle um 
altogether, you have a slate of 13 candidates, six incumbents and seven um, new candidates. Uh, Iyapa Siri Tupac, uh, you're one of those candidates. Uh, I guess both of you, but starting with Iyapa, what, what do you think the difference will be if, it, say, you have 13 uh, socialists in, in the state legislature instead of six pushing for public power? Uh, how will that make a difference? And if you can, if you can start with that, and then we want to hear more about your how your campaign is going. Sure. So um, obviously, with DSA, we're trying to really create a big uh, voting block in Albany, and we made a lot of headway already having six people not in Albany, and we're hoping to add more to that. Including myself, I will say that. Um, so Jabari is speaking beautifully about how you know they were organizing internally in Albany. Him and Zoran and some of the other comrades have been elected and on the outside. But organizers like myself, we were also making phone calls to legislators. We were we were pressuring them to call, you know can you call can you call Carl can you text Carl Hasty can you call him can you can you pressure him and we've been that whole night before the vote there was a real buzz in the air because it passed the state senate and we felt oh my god we might actually win this year and so we went all out we had this list this Excel sheet of all the assembly assembly members who had pledged to vote for this and we were pressuring them talking to the chief of staff talking to them as well and and I really do believe that it would have passed had we had. Even come to a vote, so it's really heartbreaking. I'm so very upset that didn't come to a vote. Fingers crossed for the special session. I've never, I don't ever remember this happening recently anytime, you know. Um, so we're very, very hopeful that maybe we can cause some change this year. And it's going to happen because of so many folks who've been organizing on the ground for years for this fight, including myself. Um, while I did not write this bill, my friends did, and I'm very proud of that. And we've come in three years really close to passing real comprehensive climate change uh, uh, bills that can protect the working class. And for me, I, uh, I'm running to represent Lower Manhattan, which, you know, the District 65 comprises Chinatown, Two Bridges, Lower East Side, Seaport, Little Italy. And we've knocked over 40,000 doors already. And we're hoping to win this to be another member, to be in the assembly, to pressure Carl Hasty, to pressure our colleagues from within, to have these meetings, to have these sit downs and, and to let people know, hey, like we're, we're increasing power as leftists in, in here in Albany. We're not going away anytime soon. Let's work together. Let's pass common sense legislation that can protect our renters, protect our, our folks who are at the mercy of climate sin with their ever exorbitant rate hikes. And it's a very exciting time for us. And tell us about your background as a climate activist and grassroots activism and why you've centered climate action in your campaign for state assembly. Oh, totally. So here in Lower Manhattan, Lower Manhattan um, we are surrounded by water on both sides and we got hit by Hurricane Ida really hard. We got hit by Hurricane Sandy really hard. And for me, as a proud Indigenous person, my values are really informed by fighting for Mother Earth. And so when I joined the climate organizing world a few years ago, it felt like the natural fit for me. So whether it be fighting against, you know, illegal frack gas pipelines, they're trying to build in Brooklyn, um, fighting against the Astoria Energy Power Plant, which fortunately was shut down before it even, you know, began to be built or fighting against this Condison power plant on 14th Street, which a few years ago uh, had explosions that were 60 foot high that had they spread would have burnt down the Lower East Side. I've been very, very active in these fights. And I believe that um, the fossil fuel industry poisoning us and poisoning our working class is, I'm sick of it. And it's it's uh, unforgivable. And I'm always going to be someone who is, you know, shedding light and, and bring calling them out and say, hey, like we're not we're not gonna tolerate you building yeah, you billion dollar corporations, building another frack gas, illegal infrastructure or whatever, fossil fuel industry uh, infrastructure in, in these communities, because they would never dare build them 
in like Soho or any of these rich neighborhoods. They always build them across from NYSHA buildings. They always build them across from working class immigrant communities. And it's not okay. And, and one local issue in, in your district, uh, environmental issue that's been a hot button topic for several years is the fate of East River Park, uh, 50, the main green space on the Lower East Side. Uh, most of that has already been, uh, obliterated, uh, and, and the rest of the thousand trees that were there are probably going to be chopped down soon. So the park is essentially gone and, and the plan is to rebuild a new park on top of 10 feet of uh, dirt that will be brought in on barges. It could be many years before that project is finished, uh, knowing the way the city and the state work. And of course, it'll take decades to regain the, the trees and the shade that existed before. But this is a, a, a story we've c- followed closely over the past several years. Uh, the the local uh, politician and politicians in the Lower East Side uh, uh, supported the project and I was just wondering if, if you become a state assembly member, I mean, obviously the fate of the park has already been just the old park has been decided. Do you see a role for yourself as, as some sort of ombudsman or advocate to make sure that the community gets the new park? It was promised in a, in a timely manner. Cause my sense is the local figures down there uh, are too closely tied to city hall to, to really, uh, push back if the, if these plans uh, go awry. Do you see a role for yourself? Um, it's, it's really advocate for the community. You know, if, if this project uh, goes uh, off the rails. Absolutely, I think with every um, every project like this, there's always a risk of this, you know, being a construction site for 10, 15 years, and that's the worst thing that could happen here, and that's the last thing we want down here. Um, more construction site breeds more toxic air pollution, and this is not what we need. So I absolutely want to hold uh, these people accountable and make sure that they, they, whatever park they build now is, is built as fast as possible. Obviously, it's unfortunate that um, they went ahead and, you know, rail, derailed the community. You know, so the community came up with the big U, which is like everyone agreed on the big U. That was a resilient climate scale plan. And the city overruled it, and they went ahead with their own plan. And do we need fallout protection? Of course, we have fallout protection. But the one they're building right now, I, it gives me pause, and, I'm, I'm, and I really am worried that it's not. Gonna, I mean, by the time it's built, what if the sea, you know, the sea levels will have risen, and what even be commensurate with what they're trying to do? And uh, from what I've seen, they've been doing a sloppy job so far. So absolutely, we need to uh, keep an eye on this, and we definitely need to move to renewable energy now. Uh, and we need to confront the climate crisis at every corner. Right. And I was just there the other day um, and it's completely a construction site and, and people also don't have access to where they used to play sports, go on a run, hang out with their friends, picnic, stuff like that. Um, yeah. This, this so. is the only park that many of these nice folks have. Where this is the only thing that's happened. So the larger picture, we need more green spaces, period, in lower Manhattan. Whenever I knock on a door, they want more parks, they want more dog parks. We don't really have that here. There's not that much space. And so I'm always against when I see a private developer like wanting to buy, buy a space and buy a lot and make it this, you know, condo. We can make that a park. We can have or affordable housing, right? It's, and uh, we don't really see that here. Uh, and it's a real loss. Right. And, and yeah, it is. And to imagine that for a long time, uh, I think should, you know, make people hopefully want to act. But back to your campaign, what are you hearing at the doors when you're talking to residents about public power and 
Yeah. So we, we phrase it as uh, how's your kindness empower, you know, your bill gone up and it's always yes. And then from there, that's our foot in the door. And we say, Hey, have you heard of BPRA? And we explain it to them and they actually really like it. I was very surprised. I, I was, as a climate organizer, I know that this fight isn't always the sexiest or most palatable or maybe the most understandable, but from what I, I've been proving through this campaign, like, Oh, people are actually kind of, they're on board. And it's really exciting and heartening to see that. Um, obviously they also care about free CUNY. I've been a champion of free CUNY and the new deal for, and, and you look for CUNY and CUNY used to be free. Then the seventies that, that was ended and, and CUNY being free again, it helps so many working class folks, so many immigrants receive a high quality education. And of course, the New York Health Act, you know, a lot of these folks don't have health insurance. And I've been talking about that in the doors too. Right. And, and um, I was wondering if we could, uh, I mean, your campaign's knocked on over 40,000 doors. You've knocked on quite a few doors around your, your district. Um, I was wondering if, uh, if we could almost have a little role play here to give listeners a sense of what it's like to be a, a candidate on the doors uh, day after day. Uh, of course, Jabari, uh, uh, went went that same path to get to office, and uh, um, let me do a little role play here, and I'll, I'll be like the the undecided voter, and 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 you can try to uh, persuade me, give me a sense of kind of how you know how you do it. And uh, Jabari, you used to be a public school teacher before you became a state senator. Maybe you can uh, grade at Iapa's uh, performance. Uh, there we go. Got it. All right, uh, here we go. Knock, knock, knock. Uh, who, who's there? Hey, how's it going? My name is Iyapa Saratupak. I'm a social worker. I'm a candidate running for office. Have you heard of my campaign? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. You're, you're running for, for state legislator. Well, why are you doing that? I mean, all the politicians are crooks. Why, why, why are you going to be different? Yes, absolutely. Well, first, can I confirm? Is this John? Yes. Oh, John, good to meet you. It's Iyapa. Uh, so, yes, I'm running because we need change down here. I'm running on a, a platform we're fighting for affordable housing, public housing. We need CUNY to be free again. Maybe, John, did you go to, did you go to CUNY when you were younger? Or that you was a long years? time ago. I, yeah, I can barely remember being young. <laughs> maybe you have some neighbors that went to CUNY as well. But CUNY, as if you live this, uh, it was free up until the 70s, and we're fighting to make it free again. Uh, I am proudly not accepting any you know, real estate money, no fossil fuel money, no big Wall Street money, unlike my opponent. And I think a working class person should represent the working class. What do you think, John? But 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 how can I trust any of you? All the other politicians have, have let me down. Of course. So I'm running on a slate of other candidates across the city, and we are running uh, to empower the working class. And some of our colleagues have already been elected. And since being elected, they've already caused a lot of change and uh, fought for a working class in ways that have given them billions of dollars to our excluded workers, to our taxi drivers. So I hope to add to that, to that uh, voting block in Albany so I can further uh, empower my community and also be held accountable by people like you. Oh, well, this, this card here, it, it says uh, cl- you're going to do stuff about climate. Uh, how's that going to happen? That, that's just such a big problem. Uh, how of can- course. So have you, how was your Con Edison bill uh, been lately? Have you noticed anything? It's killing me. Absolutely. And I think that's a war in the working class. And I believe, and many people I know believe that energy is a human right and that it shouldn't be held hostage by a billion dollar corporation. The very way in which we refrigerate our food comes from energy and that shouldn't be uh, held by Con Edison. So we are fighting for a bill called the Build Public Renewables Act, which would get us off of Con Edison and into a democratically owned 
utilities. Uh, all right, but but how are we really going to change climate change? It's the whole like the whole world. How can we change the weather for the better? I mean, w- w- weather's bad one day, good the next day. How like, how can we control that? Of course. So as you know, climate change happens because we're burning too many fossil fuels. And if we get into renewable energy, we'll get off of fossil fuels. We can have 100% solar and wind. Currently, we're only at 4% wind and solar, which is unacceptable. So the Build Public Renewables Act would give us that. And, uh, and yeah, we definitely have to keep an eye on these big corporations that don't care about the working class. Oh, all right. I, I, I probably have, shouldn't keep you too long. I know you're, you're a busy, busy young man. Yeah, but Thank when, you for talking to me. Can when, I when is this election? I didn't even know an election it's was June happening. June 28th, and there's also early voting. Can I count on your support? I'll think about it. I appreciate you coming here. Yes, please spread the word, and maybe I'll turn off you one more time before the election. Uh, maybe you'll also get a volunteer to knock your doors if you want to engage, and that'd be great. And thanks so much, John. Have a great day. Thank, thank you. Thank you, young man. So in minivan, we put that as a three. We'd rank you a three because you're undecided. You're not really a one or a two, and you hadn't heard me before. So that would be our data. So then our our goal for the next you know time we hit our door, your door would be to move you to like a two or a one. So you're still on the fence. So uh, Jabari, how did Ayapa do on the uh, a scale of one to five? Uh, one being uh, top notch, and five uh, maybe uh, finding a new career. Iapa gets a two. Excellent presentation, but when asked why he's not corrupt and won't uh, betray the voter, forgot to mention that one way he differentiates from a lot of candidates is that he has morals and ethics around who he takes money from and who he doesn't take money from. So Iapa's not taking any dirty money, which can't be said of like, a lot of people. I said that. I said I wasn't said that? My, My bad. Yeah. Well, then one. <laughs> hey, I wasn't listening. No. <laughs> right on. So, uh, we're going to probably have to uh, leave it here in a minute, but I get, it sounds like both of you guys enjoy uh, being out on the doors and talking to voters about these these issues. It's my favorite thing. I think the endorsement, I'm not sure if I use Jabari, but the endorsement forums can be kind of a slog. Uh, it feels like a very horse and pony show, but the people talking to people is like, I love it. I could do it all day. As a social worker, I, I did do it all day, so I love listening to them, and it's fun. I'm like, okay, cool. This is why I'm doing it, to talk to you. you know. Great. And, and you too, Jabari? You haven't gotten tired of going to the doors? That is my, I prefer talking to people in Brooklyn more than people in Albany. So I <laughs> knock on doors in Brooklyn any day. Right. Uh, well, we, we, we appreciate you talking to us today on uh, WBAI radio, uh, State Senator Jabari Brisport and Assembly Candidate Yapa Sari Tupac. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. Thanks, Amba. Thanks, John. Thanks. Thanks. Everyone. Okay. Bye.